Hello, and welcome to Punching Out. Every week, we're here on Wayo Radio talking about the problems people have with their work, whether it's incompetent bosses or unfair policies, hostile workplaces or dismal paychecks, or anything in between. We want to hear from you. If you'd like to share your work problems with us, email us at punchingoutwayo at gmail.com and let us talk about them. Tune in and punch out. Your boss isn't listening, but we are. Hello, welcome to Punching Out. I'm Ryan, joined today by Earl. Hey, guys. And Nadia. Hello. Today's show, I want to ask you, the listener, one simple question. Is your job bullshit? (laughs) And the reason I ask that question is because I recently read a book called Bullshit Jobs by David Graeber, in which he lays out the argument that a large chunk of us are working jobs that have no meaning, even by our own standards. On today's show, I want to explore that idea and talk to someone who does some meaningless work, I think it's fair to say, and try to figure out if this state of affairs isn't A, harming us, and B, if we can improve upon it. That sound good to you too? Yeah, that sounds that sounds great. Great. Yeah. And so we're, we're going to try and refer to them as BS jobs going yes, forward, right? Yes, that the deal? To just to just to minimize the, the amount the beeping, of right? you know bleeping yeah. I have right. to do. But we mean every time we say yeah. BS, we mean it as hard as we can. Yes. Yeah. All right. All right. Um, now the book it came out recently. It's based on a original essay that I think was in 2013 that David Graeber wrote, and he lays out this idea that a large chunk of people are working jobs that they themselves view as meaningless. Not jobs that outsiders think of as meaningless, but jobs that they can't even think of a reason why they exist. (laughs) And in the interim, between the essay and the book, he received a lot of responses from readers who said that, yeah, this describes me perfectly. And also some, like, polling data In both the UK and the Netherlands, there were polls based on the language of his essay asking people whether they felt their job contributed anything to the world. And something like 40% in both countries said no. They were quite certain that their job doesn't mean anything. And I think we can later, we'll get into some of the ramifications of what that means. But uh, for now, I want to focus on, um, he lays out five different types of BS jobs and what they accomplish when they aren't really accomplishing anything. <laughs> um, the, the first of those, he, he talks about flunkies, p- positions that exist to provide the illusion of status or importance. Um, there's one example he gives is sometimes when rich people hold parties, they like to have human statues out on the lawn, oh, people gosh. who are paid just to stand there motionless. Yeah. So it's providing status to the employer, not Correct. necessarily the employee. R- okay. Right. I was thinking every manager in the world, but. <laughs> right, right, yeah. Doorman is another example he gives. And if you live in like a low-income apartment, you have one of those automated buzzer systems that lets you in if you're a resident or someone who knows you right. lives there. But if you are a you know wealthy person, your tower, your building has a doorman to do this job that, as we see, can be quite easily automated. Uh, yeah. And they don't accomplish much, but they provide the illusion that you know these people are more important than they are. 
Right. Yeah. And I, yeah, I've actually had friends of mine when they're looking for places be like, you know what? I'd really like a doorman. And I'm just, and all I can think is why? 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 Yeah. I, I just, I, I like you at least 5% less now after hearing you say that. <laughs> and one of the examples he gives is a reader who wrote to him. She's a receptionist at this like publishing firm that gets maybe one phone call a day. But the company needs a receptionist because if people found out that this high profile firm didn't have a receptionist, what would they think? You know, it's sort of expected that, you know, an entity of that status will have a receptionist. And she goes into like what she does to fill the day. She's tasked with like maintaining a grandfather clock, um, keeping a dish full of mints. Oh, man. Wow. The, yeah. the mints are provided. They're in a drawer right by the dish. Her yeah. job is to move the mints from the drawer to the dish. Oh. Nice. Yeah. And as you're beginning to realize, these jobs, even though they don't actually have much in terms of things to do, can be quite unpleasant. Right. The, the next category talks about uh, they're what he calls goons. He, they <laughs> have this sort of aggressive characteristic. Um he cites telemarketers as an example. They serve to scam you not because the telemarketers themselves are trying to get you out of money. It's the, on behalf of somebody who can't be bothered. <laughs> right, yeah. Mm. Like you can think of a scam artist almost taking pride in his craft, but that's impossible for a telemarketer to do because they're doing it for someone else. Yeah. Would you put all salespeople in, the same, in that same category? Uh, I don't know if... I mean that I would. Yeah. <laughs> Let's Hot condemn take. them right Hot here. Take. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's a big point because yeah. I haven't given how he defines the term BS job. He he describes it as a form of a paid employment that is so completely pointless, unnecessary, or pernicious that even the person holding it cannot justify its existence. So maybe some salespeople feel that describes their job, but mm -hmm. he very much views it as a subjective definition and he lets workers decide for themselves whether their job is BS right. or not. Yeah. Yeah. Some salespeople I could see having a reasonable, you know, like if you're going to buy something technical that you don't know a ton about, like a salesperson acts more as like a liaison to your understanding at that point, but I'd still be comfortable calling him a goon, I think. Yeah. But that's just because I'm a jerk and not maybe, because maybe they're actually goons. Commission-based salespeople. There you go. I'm maybe. yeah. I'm they're aggressive. Because when you walk into a place where that's what it feels like, right? Is you yeah. walk into a place and it's obviously commission-based, and the first thing that runs through your head is call off your goons. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. A specific example he cites for this category is this guy. He works as like a special effects editor, basically. You know, he's the guy who makes cars look like they fly. But another part of his job is on TV shows, he's the guy who makes actresses look skinnier and their teeth look whiter and on the commercials for those tv shows he makes the teeth look whiter for the teeth whitening product oh. which is particularly sort of evil job yeah. he feels because <laughs> yeah, exactly. he's both yeah. creating the demand for this product and then exaggerating its effects right oh. yeah that's that's rough yeah well that's what it made me think when you're talking about the, the telemarketers is that i'm sure that there's a huge uh, percentage of people that are telemarketers that just Every time they hit that number to call somebody, they're just they're having a m small panic attack because they know like they hate what they're doing. This person who's going to answer the phone on the other end is almost certainly going to treat them like a jerk. It's just a nightmare for everybody involved. Like and, honestly, and they know they're ripping them off. Right. Also, yeah, that's the that's the other thing. Yeah, I don't think most people are, are happy about that. I think there are people that probably harden themselves to it 
for whatever reason. But mm-hmm. but yeah, I don't think that they're they're comfortable with that. The next category he goes on to define are duct tapers. Now, this is a term that comes from tech, right? Uh, yeah, I mean, I, this is actually the first time I've, I've heard to oh. uh, someone as a duct taper, but I, I, I'm familiar with the, uh, with the concept. A lot of times what ends up happening in, in the programming world is that you get brought into a project uh, they refer to it as like a legacy project, basically, which might have been something, you know, the original code base was written in 1998. And you're going in and you're trying to basically band-aid or duct tape this thing back together and kind of hammer it to do modern things. And it's just, yeah, it's, it's rough. Basically what these people do is they try to fix things that shouldn't be broken. Um, his, that's, that's me. I'd like yeah. to point out that that's me. You're a duct yeah. tape. Um, but he talks about historically this is a role that falls more, more to women, um, even just like at the level of the household. They are left to clean up after their inconsiderate husbands or – they're handling the emotional labor that their husbands refuse to do. Hmm. And he, like, opens the question of, like, how many, like, historical works of, like, fiction or otherwise that we think were written by these great men of history were actually written or typed by their female assistants. Right. Um, There's, like, an IT worker who is hired just to specifically to handle this system that isn't meant to work. Um, <laughs> he, he talks to a guy whose job is just like moving this stack of emails from like slot A to slot B because the system which used to be automated no longer is. Uh, uh, wow. So they went the other way there. Mm-hmm. They, 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 they took something that was automated and made it manual again. Uh, that, yeah. the, that's, that's, that's efficiency, everybody. Yeah. That's, that's, the whole like, growing industry of like medical billing and coding. Like you yeah. see the ads on late night TV all the time to go get your medical billing and coding degree. Like that is a job that exists because people have to pay money for healthcare. I mean, on a societal level, we have a whole host of jobs that are sort of cleaning up what our lack of a safety net doesn't do. Right. Moving on, he goes to uh, box tickers. These people allow organizations to claim to do something they aren't actually doing. Um, That guy whose job was to handle the IT system that wasn't intended to work. It was part of like an intra-company dispute where one boss or one partner wanted this system and the other two wanted to make it look like that system existed. But (laughs) throughout the book, you see like... It sort of lays bare the like myth about capitalism being this efficient system because mm-hmm. by concentrating power in the hands of just few deep pockets at the top, everything in the system then works to serve at their whims, and their whims are often you know just petty and yeah just completely nonsensical. trivial right right yeah um, well yeah it made me think of the, you know, the inefficiency thing as well you know there's been lots of studies and essays written about we've we've come so far technologically why are we still working so much why are right. we working the 40-hour work week and mm-hmm. and and the the fact is that a lot of people especially in in bs jobs uh they're not working 40 hours a week they're Correct. at work they're at work 40 right. hours a week but they're working an hour a day two hours a day and the rest of the time they're just trying to figure out how to look busy enough not yeah. to get fired um, like the- he talks about how, like, John Maynard Keynes, who, you know, you might know from the right. economic system, Keynesianism, yeah. um, he <laughs> talked in, like, the 30s about how by 2000, everybody will be working a 15-hour work week. And I right. think even as late as, like, 
the 60s, if you watch the Jetsons, the idea is that in the future, people are going to work less. Right. And what the book really boils down to is we are working less, but we're still at work. Right. Yeah. We're um, not spending any less time stuck somewhere. Right. But we're, we're, there's less work to be done. There's less actual work happening, but right. we're what well, we have reduced the work week. We aren't, you know, spending our Thursdays and Fridays elsewhere. Right. Yeah. And then the last category he cites are those managers. I think you had mentioned earlier <laughs> about yeah. um, he calls them <laughs> task managers, people who manage those who don't need managing or they're the people who create BS work for others. Right. Yeah. Yeah. The, the person telling that receptionist to uh, fill her time by fill serving that, mints. You keep the, that mint bowl clean. Yeah. For all your all your customers that are coming to the publishing house. <laughs> that, I, that I think it was meant for the terrible, workers, terrible. Yeah. Oh, okay. All right. Fair enough. Well, yeah. All right. That's. But I suppose. How, how many fine. mints can they eat? Right. Honestly. Yeah. Yeah. Jeez. <laughs> so having laid out that these jobs exist, and I think we all have in our heads that we know somebody or we ourselves you yeah. know, work a job like this where the things we're tasked with doing aren't actually accomplishing anything, and sometimes they aren't meant to accomplish anything. Right. Nadia, you're here today, and you want to talk about how your job is BS. Y- yep. So... I work for, don't laugh at me. Steve. No, I just, you were just like, yup, so yep, enthused. I do, yeah. I'm sorry. Right. No, you're, let, you're letting work, uh, you, you know, control your emotions right now. Yeah, that's <laughs> yeah. true. I did right. get out of work and come here immediately. Right, yeah. Um, I work a data entry job, essentially. Uh-huh. Um, I'm basically just, it's a, it's a fairly large company with, you know, a standard setup of my supervisor has a manager and my supervisor has a team lead under her and then there's Mm -hmm. us and it's like a whole structure of nonsense um but yeah i'm basically just going through documents finding keywords and then typing those into a different system all day and i have to do a certain number of them per day to not get in trouble it's it's terrible (laughs) but also but also not too many right because the company has quotas and they don't want you to go past them because basically there's no point in you going past them for them from a payment standpoint right Right. yeah because if you if you go if we go like too far over the monthly quota those numbers don't roll over into the next month so if there's like say a a work shortage or like there's just less to do in one month then we don't meet our quota which the customer doesn't care about they don't care that that work didn't exist they only care that we didn't do it right yeah so so one of the things that i think you mentioned before was that when when you would get too far ahead they would actually pull you off and they would th- there was a, a machine that was was it was stuffing envelopes or something yeah so in the in the mail department of of my company there's a machine that would would fold fold things that needed to be mailed and then stuff those things into envelopes and when we either got too far ahead or ran out of work, they would turn that machine off and distribute those that paperwork to humans to fold and stuff to like base it's just busy work. It's your yeah. it's your it's your homeroom worksheet. Right. That's yeah, that's just in, it's insane to me. It's, yeah. it's like, well we we, we produced uh, too much corn this season, so next season we're gonna t- stop using the auto thresher and we're gonna just back to donkeys and and, and plows. I don't know how farms work, yeah. but that sounds that it sounds, sounds right. something yeah. like that. It's, yeah, it's just like that. Uh, it's so, insane. Yeah. So I a, a friend of mine works at this same company in a different department, and uh, 
same same thing. They have quotas as well, and uh, they're they're getting a little too too far ahead. And so they have her literally in a room by herself pulling staples out of documents from back in the day that need to be digitized, basically. So they and they have I think they said something like they have enough that if one person did it every day, you know, did a pallet a week or something, it would take them a year to do. And it's she's losing her mind. Like she she hates it. She her, she already doesn't like her job, but now. The, She's pulling staples out of paper, you know, like uh, one, of, <laughs> one of the examples in the book is a, a woman who has too much free time at her work, but they can't for whatever reason they want to keep paying her to sit there. You know, so she has to look busy. And what they gave her to do is a they gave her a pile of colored paper clips and told her to sort these by color, like thousands of them. And when she got done sorting them out by color, she realized that they weren't actually being used to color code anything. They were just being used interchangeably. Blue oh. was just the same as red. Oh, my God. Yeah. It's, yeah. That's just the damage that does to a person psychologically. Mm-hmm. I mean, you just you, – you, you know – and now not to say there, there is a certain type of person who loves to go to work and just check out. You know, yeah. and they're just they're, – and, and part of that is, you know, I'm not sure what motivates that. Some of it I would like to think is – they already recognize how useless a lot of work is, and they're just like, "Look, man, I want to go to work." It's me. I'm that person. Yeah, yeah I can tell fair. you why I feel yeah, that. Go, way. yes, please do. Yes, <laughs> yeah. tell me it, all it's about because it. Because of my, it's because of my like just standard anti-capitalist nature, right? I'm like the opposite of the jerks in Atlas Shrugged that go on strike. <laughs> like I'm on strike, but because I think all of this is BS, um, <laughs> so I want to contribute like as little as possible for the most gain for myself. Right. With like using as little of my, like letting go as little yeah. of my soul as possible. Yeah. And you want your energy to be spent elsewhere. Elsewhere. Right. And not, yeah, not right. at work. That so if sense. I do, yeah. if I have to work, if I have to work 40 hours a week, I want to be able to like, I want a job that I can also listen to audiobooks at the same time and like, pre- yeah. like yeah. be multitasking yeah. in a way that benefits I, me. I listen to this book on audio. Right, yeah. smooth, yeah. yeah, 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 and you just you don't want to come home exhausted, you know what I mean, or or right. you don't want to clock out well, and be exhausted, which I do sometimes yeah. still, just because yeah. of, like the monotony of it is like it's surprisingly it's draining. draining to well, just, this, like, well, this is what you know economics tells us. It tells us that people are all looking to maximize their benefit, and so many of these BS jobs he finds are, I mean, there there's not much to do. They're kind of low effort. You know, you can multitask, and they're well paid, and yet. The people he talks to are mostly miserable about it. And like you, even you find it monotonous and you have to sort of shut off your brain. Yeah. I right. guess it's fair to say. Yeah. And to get through the day, I have to be like mm-hmm. operating at 10%. <laughs> yeah. And after this break, we'll talk some more about the sort of like psychological impacts of BS jobs and why they even exist in the first place. You're listening to Punching Out on WAYOLP Rochester. If you'd like to continue slacking off, you can find all of our past episodes on iTunes and SoundCloud. Remember, your boss isn't listening, but we are. Welcome back to Punching Out. I'm Ryan, joined here by Earl and Nadia. Today we're discussing BS Jobs, a recent book by David Graeber and the real-world phenomenon it describes. These sort of jobs and tasks at work that we find have no purpose. They don't serve anyone's ends, even the capitalists themselves. Um, 
And we had left off at the end of our previous segment talking about sort of the mental toll these jobs can take. Because even though they are often low effort and high paid, they have a negative effect on the people who hold them almost universally. Not all the time, as Nadia explained. Earl, you had a friend... Yeah, yeah. Uh, a friend of mine, like I mentioned before, got pulled off her normal uh, her normal task at work, which is already reasonably um, BS because they were getting too far ahead, speaking more to the efficiencies of, yeah. of capitalism. Uh, to yeah, to again pull pull staples out of documents that are probably twenty years old, um, so that they can be so that they can be scanned basically into a system and and in all likelihood never be looked at again. Uh, so it's literally just uh, pallets of boxes that are full of manila folders that have these documents in them that she's pulling staples out of, and it's just it's just cr- crushing her spirit. Uh, you know, honestly, again, like her job is not not her favorite thing to do in the first place, um, but this this is just an extra level of she feels like she's wasting her life. Yeah, <laughs> you know, and like, the psychological effects of these BS jobs and these BS tasks are the worst. Really, they're the worst parts of it. They, um, in the book, he talks to uh, a museum guard named Clarence who says, uh, I worked as a museum guard in a museum where one ex- exhibition room was left unused more or less permanently. I was required to guard that empty room to make sure that no museum guest touched the, well, nothing in the room. <sighs> to keep my mind sharp and attention undivided, I was forbidden any form of mental stimulation like books, phones, etc., in practice, I sat still twiddling my thumbs for seven and a half hours. He lasted six months in this job wow. before leaving for one that paid half as well. Right. Because yeah. What a nightmare. Yeah. yeah. The but, thing about like my BS job that makes it tolerable is all the things that I can do while doing it. Mm-hmm. Like watching Netflix right. or mm-hmm. listening to audiobooks or podcasts or yeah. whatever. Like, well, that's, that ugh. gets into sort of a reason why these jobs exist so often is that bosses have this weird urge to have people look busy, even when everyone knows they aren't actually doing anything. It's the, uh, if you have time to lean, you have time to clean ethos. Right. Graber, the author, goes in depth on like the history of this sort of mindset, this idea that idleness at work is, you know, time theft. It's, you know, that you're stealing the boss's time by not doing anything. Right. And not the other way around, that right. the boss is absolutely stealing your life. Like for, you know, yeah. <laughs> it's, right. it's, yeah, it's always, it's amazing how that stuff always gets skewed in favor of the owners. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. and it's even a relatively recent phenomenon because up until maybe, you know, 300 years, he writes, the idea that you could buy someone's time is sort of unheard of in history. Uh he talks about how, like, in Rome, they would have understood that you could buy someone's pots or you could buy a potter as a slave. But the idea of just buying that person for eight hours a day was sort of – it was unheard of. So, like, historically, there's some fear if you, like – if you're a slave owner on a plantation, you might not want your slaves to be idle because then they start talking about revolt. But if you're a boss – your reason for opposing idleness is because, again, they're stealing your time. And it's – these people have sort of a moral outrage at that idea, yeah. it, which is very different. Yeah, and it's, and it's 
barely stands up to any kind of scrutiny at all. Mm -hmm. Because really, if you think about it, like if you have time to lean, you have time to go home and not get paid anymore. Like why, why it's, it's more about power than it is about money at that point, because then it's just like uh, your boss just wants Mm -hmm. to, to control what you're doing every minute (laughs) of the time. I can speak from experience at my work. The worst part about it is being told to do something that has already been done. Or, you know, when I feel that, you know, the camera is on me and I might, it might be better to look busy than to sit around doing nothing, even though I'll accomplish the same. Um, it's, it's sort of like a twisted make-believe in a way, and it's deeply upsetting for everybody. Yeah, of course. Yeah, well, and, and the, you know, when you, you mentioned the, you, you know, idleness leading to revolt, uh, I mean, that's, that's of course true in the workplace as well. Yeah. I mean, I, I've seen more than a handful of, uh, you know, like HR documents and things like that, that are like things to keep an eye out for <laughs> if, if your, if your employees are potentially going to unionize right. or something. And it's like, you know, groups of people chatting, like, and th- things like what, that, talk, talking it? to each other, spending more time with each other at work. And, the, mm-hmm. you know, that they could, you just got to watch out because they're talking to each other. Uh, Was they're, it they're Amazon coming. that had a rule about employees talking to each other in the warehouses? Like, that's, that sounds know. like that them. Like yeah, that sounds, yeah, that sounds yeah. familiar, but I, I do think I was, yeah, that was probably them. And the other thing too, and, you know, we talked a little bit about, you know, managers having this sort of sense of, uh, prestige about how many employees they have. So if it's another, if it's another thing we talk about with status, um, you know, oh, I have, I have 300 employees underneath me. Like, mm-hmm. oh, I have 500 employees. So it's also in their interest to keep as many people employed, regardless of whether their job is BS or not, just to inflate their ego and say, mm-hmm. like, I have this many people under me. I hate mm-hmm. that. I hate that term. These yeah. people are under me. Yeah. You know, and it's just, uh, uh, you know, and if anybody, if I were to bring up to that person, like, yeah, but their job is, BS. You know what I mean? Yeah. Your whole your whole system is is this this whole industry is BS. You know, then they're going to get very upset. And that was one thing too. I just wanted to mention real quick that we yeah. talked about earlier. Some of these terms, I feel like people might get upset about, like when they hear their job referred to as like a, a duct taper or like a goon or, mm-hmm. or something like that. Yeah. And I, and I do think I do think that you should be upset, but not at us for. Yeah. Or, or at Graber, rather for mm-hmm. for for dubbing you thusly, uh, you should be upset at the 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 morality at play that mm-hmm. keeps these jobs that that makes you feel like this is what has to be done, uh, you know. So I'm happy that you're getting upset, but make sure you point it in the right direction. <laughs> you know? um, and he's again very clear to make sure that you know his definition is people who define their own jobs as pointless. Oh know? right, yeah, sure, okay, right. You know, of so course, he's not yeah. necessarily Pointing making the finger at big judgments and, about sure, right. any like job as a whole except he does write some things about like corporate lawyers yeah but, um yeah uh, and I, I don't we can all agree i think on we, yeah we can all, even corporate lawyers can likely get behind that like yeah. Yeah. <laughs> these psychological effects to get back to that idea is he he refers to it as a sort of spiritual warfare that's like crushing people and yeah. uh, the statistics uh to bring up from last segment there were polls that suggested that as many as 40 percent of people hold jobs like this so Forty percent of people under that sort of spiritual warfare, under that crushing day to day, and it's not something we really talk about a lot. Just societally, it's a huge problem. It has yeah. massive ramifications for mental health, for sure. all sorts of tangential things. And when's the last time you saw like a news segment on you know working conditions? Right. 
or or that like emotional working conditions yeah. because we have done a reasonably good job and you know in mm-hmm. the last however many years since like OSHA and things like that mm-hmm. to to you know keep people from getting killed and maimed at work. I mean obviously there's mm-hmm. these, these it's not a perfect system but things yeah. have gotten much much better. Um, but there's never yeah there's never really that focus on like stress at work you know what i mean the, the fact that you know i'm oh, sorry go ahead no no that's okay well i mean what, what we're really talking about is like is people existing in like hell or purgatory <laughs> right. like if you okay. if you think about like all like the historical and like literary depictions of like what purgatory is or what hell is it's like yeah. it's you're repeating the same day over and over right. again for the rest of or like forever. like sisyphus pushing the, pushing the rock up the hill pushing only the to roll back down just to roll back right, down exactly. right it's like yeah. you're you know like just processing that that like every day you wake up and you go do this thing yeah. that's totally pointless yeah. and including your commute and your lunch break and da da da, da it's yeah. 10 11 hours of your day and then yeah. you get home and you eat and then you got to go to bed right. you got to get up and shower and go do it again yeah and any kind and anyone with any kind of like existential awareness is sitting like that that poor bastard sitting in that room twiddling his thumbs for, i can't believe we made yep. can't we made it for 6 months yep. you know but 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 Same. if it, 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 day 2 at some point, so he's already had. Let's let's say it's two hours in a day. Two, he's had nine and a half hours to to think about, about what he's doing with his to life. Think about all the yeah. time that's being taken right. from him. that's being taken from him, and 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 that you know at what what at best you know you've got a hundred years, and and how many of those are you spent as not an infant or an elderly person? You know, you got maybe 60, 60 70 good good years if, if you're years. if you're super yeah. lucky. Yeah. You know, and and the fact that this just and and and. And that's just it's it's crushing people. It's crushing people. Yeah. It's making people making people sick. You know, the stress is bad for you directly. It carries uh, over too, like into your outside. You know, like that yeah. that guy that was like guarding that room for eight hours mm-hmm. a day didn't like go home and shake it off. He went home and complained to his wife about it for an hour and yeah. got mad and got in a fight with her because he, right. he hadn't talked to anybody all day. And <laughs> yeah, yeah like, exactly. You know, yeah, just, it causes yeah it causes yeah. stress at, at home. Yeah, it, it reverberates. It doesn't end at work. You take you take those jobs home with you and the other thing too and like not just the direct stress of you know because a lot of these jobs uh, uh there was a, a study recently um uh, the oxford martin school uh studied something like 700 jobs and they and they found out of those 700 jobs which they didn't specify what they were or i didn't look it up rather uh that 47 f- percent of those jobs were at high risk for automation right so a lot of these people realize that their jobs are precarious and they're and they're insecure so that causes a level of stress um the yeah taking things home with them uh these are all direct stressors that cause things like heart disease and and this and that whatever but then indirect you know in terms of like self-medication people are stressed at work so they go out for drinks after work or they smoke or they do all these things to sort of self-medicate and try and relieve themselves and then that puts stress on the healthcare you know industry like these things reverberate forever like a bs job isn't just something that just a affects you and makes you sad or what, or, you know, makes your life uh, maligned or something. It's has real significant reverberations like throughout the rest of society. And it's gotten to the point where it's like impacting education because talks about how increasingly college students are expected to take jobs in addition to their education to prepare them for the real world. But as the real world becomes increasingly full of BS paperwork and quotas to meet and not exceed, then the sort of work they're expected to do in college becomes more about BS. And it's, they're being prepared to, you know, do things that they don't enjoy and that don't see the value in right. rather than being given, you know, skills 
Yeah. And that, and that concept of, of the quote unquote real world mm -hmm. drives me insane because it goes back to what we were talking about in, in the first segment. The reality is, is that most of these people are working. We're actually doing an hour or two of work a day and the rest of it is, is wasted time, you know, wasted time at work, wasted time mm -hmm. from anybody's, anybody's point of view, it's wasted. So the real world is we're working 10 hours a week. 15 hours a week at some of these BS jobs. That's that's the real world. And everything else is the nonsense. The BS is the non, you know what I mean? The things and, are... And know. to the extent that the real world has meaningful things to do, you know, yeah. college and education is like already a pretty okay, you know, preparation for that. Like you learn to study, you learn about results, you know, being able to pass tests. He talks about the problem with college now is almost that it's too results oriented because... As long as you pass the test, you know, professors mostly don't care how it happened, you know, as long as you aren't cheating, you know. Yeah. They don't care if you, like, studied seven hours the night before or if you studied not at all. Right. Whereas out, you know, at a job, you're expected to, you know, the optics are almost as much important as the, you know, actual results. Right. You know, it's that, you know, not exceeding the quota. It's that... Uh, looking busy when you have nothing to do, you know, finding ways to, you know, not uh, one-up your boss by showing off all this <laughs> time you've stolen. Right, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and the thing that's got to be, in, you know, and I, I don't even get, my job, my industry, I guess, is is, is BS in a sense. I, ha I can do, I have done work that I'm sort of proud of, but most of the time it's just advertising non nonsense and, and that and and the thing is that that gets to me and i imagine this gets to a lot of people is that there there is stuff that needs to be done mm -hmm. you know and it's not you know it's just you talk about whatever anything pick something climate change anything yeah. there is work that needs to be done and people are guarding empty <laughs> rooms people <laughs> are guarding empty rooms like i can't you couldn't write a fictionalized a better example of they're mopping freshly mopped floors. Yeah, right. Yeah, they're or, they're they're turning off automated machines to do work. Yeah, because reasons. Yeah, Dumb. or or <laughs> even even worse than the people, not the people. That's not their fault. But the people that are actually doing the BS jobs are, of course, the people that are in charge of the people that are doing the BS jobs. Mm -hmm. I just thought of something that I had, I guess, blocked from my memory. Uh, and uh, <laughs> at my current company, but in a separate department that I worked in previously. Um, it's a data entry job, so everything's based on, on how much you can get done in X amount of time, meet the quota without going too far over the quota, blah, 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 blah. So there's that. But there's, like, an algorithm for them tracking that, and it's based on a 56-minute hour because they're factoring in that, like, the average person is going to go pee or get a cup of coffee or mm -hmm. right. otherwise, like... yeah time theft a little bit of a few yeah. minutes of every mm -hmm. hour and so that's like yeah. factored into their algorithm of yeah. how much you should be doing as a mm. human yeah. being so and also just real quick so someone so so now you're talking about a, a an extra level of bs right because now someone who's technically proficient enough to write a sophisticated enough algorithm to track your bs yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. right so now they're hiring tracker. yeah they're <laughs> Oh my God! There's you know? a manager who's in charge of a BS tracker who's yeah. in charge of tracking how much BS I can do in a single day. Not too yeah. much, but just enough, mm -hmm. just the right amount. It's rough. No, yeah, I yep. don't like it. <laughs> and so this sort of like he cites this as especially happening when like government industries are 
are sort of privatized and they're made to meet the demands of the market. And, you know, these quotas come into play, these production standards, these all these metrics are used to define how much is getting done. But the creation of those metrics is taking away from what could be done, right. you know, and yeah. the management of those metrics. Um, he Early in the book, he talks to somebody who is a subcontractor for a subcontractor for a subcontractor of the German military, which, you know, normally known for efficiency. But, you know, now they have people like four people like doing tons of paperwork, driving th- hundreds of miles so that a soldier can move his barracks down the hall. What? He's like working logistics for the IT firm for the like personnel firm that the military uses and his job is to drive and sign a couple forms when, you know, a soldier moves. How many miles? Uh, I think he described it as up to 300. Oh my god. Yeah. And that's you again you just described like an an onion of of BS. Right. Like like <laughs> several layers of BS. And then and each and each one of those each single person there has a manager and a manager manager and, right. uh, and all these you know and it and, goes on and on. And the whole idea behind the privatization was to make things more efficient, to make things, you know, faster and quicker than supposedly the government could accomplish. But as we see, so, so much of this BS work isn't, you know, being done by the government, though some admittedly is. Of course. Um, there was a story this week about a California DMV worker. I don't know if you saw this. Mm-hmm. I didn't know. She's been, it was found out that for the last, like, four years, she's been spending three hours a day sleeping on the job, which... <laughs> Not all heroes wear capes. Well, right. Yeah, Hero. honestly, yeah, exactly. Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, it's good work if you can get it. <laughs> you know, and in the book, he talks about a Spanish, like, civil servant who uh, didn't go to work for, like, six years before anyone found out. <laughs> and yeah. he, he used the time. But first, before then, he was at work but had nothing to do. So he, like, was talking to a therapist because it was having that psychological yeah. impact on him. And right. the therapist said, maybe you shouldn't go there anymore. Yeah. And so he didn't. And he used the time to like read up on like 17th century philosophy or something yeah. really obscure. But, yeah, I mean, whatever. It's your time. Spend it how you want. You know, right. like that's, yeah, yeah. I, I, I constantly, I mean, ask anybody, any of my friends, like, oh, I don't feel like going to work or, or oh, work's killing me or whatever. Every single time, 100% of the time, you, you should quit. Yeah. You should quit. And like I know it's not I know I know right. it's not reasonable for a lot of people to just up and nuke their job because they they hate it, but I still want you to. Oh, I, just, I just want you to I just want that. you to live your best life, you know, and it's not it's not at work. It's not you know, it's it's yeah. just not it's not I mean it can it can be because again, like we're we're talking about jobs that people self self describe as as BS Meaning. jobs. So yeah, there is plenty of there's still plenty of good work to do that's useful Mm -hmm. but almost all of us and even (laughs) in those jobs they're often like being eaten up by metrics you know he's talking about all the paperwork that teachers and professors now have to do to you know cover the fact that they teach class and you know track all the hours they've spent on the university dime right yeah and you got you got to wonder too honestly how how many like really qualified intelligent 
hardworking people mm-hmm. are just not working in important jobs yep. because of those types of metrics. They're, they're going to say, well, yeah, man, you know, like, like again, going back to our friend that sat in the empty room, mm-hmm. he quit a job and went to one that paid half as less because it didn't make him die. Yeah. It didn't kill him on the inside to do that. Mm-hmm. And there's lots of people that, I mean, you know, not, Nadia is incredibly intelligent and she's just like, I don't want to p- play this game. You know what I mean? I want to. I want to. I want to spend as little amount of my life and, and expend as little amount of energy working as possible because it's just a big, you know, multi-level marketing scheme, and, and I don't want to. Mm-hmm. I don't want to play this game, you know. Or a friend that doesn't go to work for six years and and just reads yeah. up on you know 17th-century philosophy. You find out who that guy is and make a statue of him. Oh, I would, lo- I would love that. <laughs> the, the yeah. Thing he was only found what, because they were going to give him a, like a medal for his 20 years of service. Oh, or oh my God. <laughs> like he would have gotten amazing. away with it too yeah, if, it it, wasn't it was, for, if it wasn't for hey, a damn have pension. Have you seen this guy? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Does anybody know who. Has, <laughs> seen, what, has anybody no, seen Mark? Yeah, yeah, yeah. like the trick Come he pulled was it. he convinced <laughs> the city that he was under the authority of the water board and he convinced the water board that he was being supervised by the city. Uh, so, yeah. See, bureaucracy isn't always useless. Uh, <laughs> yeah. It worked out It worked out great for our, for our friend who is now a philosophical genius. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's that's um, brilliant, yeah. And our, the museum guard we've talked about, he wasn't able to use his phone, but a lot of people, I mean, they're in like office jobs. They have a computer, they have internet access that, you know, when the boss is around, they can, you know, goof off a little bit. Right. And he like, he doesn't cite any statistics, but his hunch is that BS jobs are the reason Twitter is so successful uh, because yeah. there are so many people who have internet access all day and nothing better to do than to yeah. like comment on websites or, yeah. you know, post on Twitter. Well, it's, it's, it's interesting that, that you mentioned that because it made me, while you were, while you were talking about that, it made me, it made me think of, it would be really interesting to sort of crowdsource the people that are doing these, these BS jobs into mm-hmm. solving their own existential crisis. Like, cause yeah. I know that there had there, I can't think of what it's called, you know, off the top of my head, but I remember reading about a project a couple of years ago that was basically a, it was it was a video game in in a, in a sense um, that you you know you were interacting with a computer doing doing things, but it was basically a, it was a protein folding game. Okay. And so I know it doesn't it doesn't sound it's not it doesn't sound very exciting, but basically what it was was it was a it was a, a way to um, for for scientists to crowdsource all these different permutations of protein folding. Okay. I don't remember exactly what the end the end game was, but it was a way that they could crowdsource people like. Whether they're goofing off at work or what it was riding on the subway like, or something like is that. Is this like you know? the sort of M Turk thing? That well, yeah, in the sense that it's a small, it's a small task, but okay. it has. But the but the protein folding thing had direct like scientific, you okay. know, uh, in terms of like, you know, I don't remember exactly what the treatments were that they were using these things for. But in either case, it made me think of. You know, people that are instead of going on Twitter and just <laughs> having flame wars every day. Like, what if we had constructive conversations about like. How do we how do we stop how do how do we liberate ourselves from wasting so much of our life? Right. You know? like, yeah. Uh, you could still go on Twitter once in a while and and yeah. call people names, but I think but if but maybe just uh, spend a little bit of your downtime working on a, doing some constructive uh, activities about get, getting yourself out of this thing. Yeah. <laughs> you know that'd be an interesting project to start. <laughs> because it's important to recognize that it hasn't always been this way. Uh, right. He goes into some of the history again, like. Like, historically, you didn't work so many days out of the year. Like, 
if you think about farming, there are there's like the intense rush of the harvest season, but the rest is more at a leisurely pace. You might work two or three hours a day, right? And you have all these different you know feast days and holidays where you don't work at all. Um, that sounds and, so good. Yeah, we need to go back to that kind of calendar. And Sorry, Ryan. Go ahead. Now we're working five days a week, eight hours a day, regardless of how much work there is to do or not. And yeah. it's sort of a, a shock to our like human nature to the extent that that exists. Yeah. Like we aren't meant to be doing this. Right. Yeah. And I think after this break, we'll talk some about the ways we can not do it in the future. <laughs> You're listening to Punching Out on Wayo 104.3. If you enjoy our show, you can follow us on Facebook and Twitter at Punching Out Wayo. If you'd like to share your stories, you can email us at punchingoutwayo at gmail.com. Back to the show. Welcome back to Punching Out. I'm Ryan, joined here by Earl. Hey. And Nadia. Hello. Today we've been talking about the subject of BS jobs. We all kind of have a good idea of what that means. It's this idea that some people are out there doing jobs that even they recognize aren't really benefiting society in any way. And a lot of us are doing that. Uh, I've brought up this poll a couple of times, but like polls suggest it's like 40%, which is almost half. And when you consider how many jobs there are that are like objectively meaningful, like teacher or firefighter, that surely nobody who has those could rec- view them as meaningless – it sort of brings to mind like the scale of the problem we have. As we near the end of our hour here, I want to talk about both how we got into this situation where we as a society have all this work that we're doing that doesn't need to be done and how we can maybe fix that. In the book, he writes how we have this sort of societal attitude about work where you aren't allowed to be given any sort of reward unless you've somehow earned it. And the very act of having a job is usually qualification, regardless of what that job is actually accomplishing. Uh, You know, even if you're guarding an empty room, as has been the example earlier, you know, you have a job, you have a job title, and a lot of these BS job titles have, you know, uh, like – data engineer or, uh, <laughs> right, yeah. you know, senior manager of yeah. portfolios. Yeah, right. You know, um, they have a sort of prestige to them, and they garner respect from society that sometimes the person who has the job doesn't feel they deserve because they know what they do all day is, you know, they post on Facebook and they, right. you know, make cat memes. Right, yeah. Um, and this is a problem that, Again, not really being talked about except on shows like ours. And I think (laughs) step one to sort of fixing this problem, to creating a society where we aren't working eight hours a day at jobs we hate is to admit that we hate our jobs, first of all. Right. Yeah. Yeah, That's a great – that is a great first step. Just say it. You know it's true. Just say it. It's fine. Yeah, it's fine. We're we're here for you uh, and we'll applaud you when you say it wanted to do this earlier, but I forgot. Um, if you're listening and you have a BS job, we'd love to hear from you. Oh, absolutely. Um, before the show, I you know, solicited stories. Um, 
and somebody told me how every Monday their CEO comes into the office and has like an hour-long meeting in a hot room with no air conditioning, like the whole staff is there, oh. where the CEO just like brings out quotes he thinks are important and, you know, like cites, ah, you did a great job this week. It's It's meant to be this sort of morale-building thing, but it's very much sort of what we've talked about as sort of like the petty whims of the rich, like they right. have strange ideas about what they want to do with their money, which aren't necessarily aligned with, you know, what actually makes society worth living in. Uh, right. Yeah. yeah. I have, this is anecdotal on mm-hmm. my part and might, you might edit out, uh, but uh, I, many moons ago was a door to door salesperson. Uh-huh. Um, and every morning at the office, we would have that very meeting for like five every- minutes. Oh, and then, well, five to 20 minutes, like where the, you know, the managers were like, oh, you guys are going to kill it, like and sell all the stuff and like whatever. And then yeah. we would spend the next, the rest of that first hour practicing our pitches oh. to each other back and forth about how to sell this thing. And the room that we met in was not a conference room. It was the pitch room. Ugh. Mm-hmm. Goon squad. Yeah. yeah. Official, official goon squad. Yep. For sure. Some, yeah. there's sort of a layer of BS at most jobs where you're expected not just to do your job, but to do your job with a smile, Mm -hmm. to, you know, uh, have a winning attitude and all these sort of uh, corporate mottos that you're expected to recite. Right. Um, And I think if we talk more about how sort of crushing this can be, if we just are more open about what that stuff does to us, maybe we can work towards eliminating it. Yeah, that, that's that's actually like an interesting sort of small scale example of just like capitalism as a whole, as far as I'm concerned, is you've got management, uh, for the most part, I would say, there's probably a small group of psychopaths in management that believe a lot of the the nonsense sort of morale boosters that they say, but, but management is rolling their eyes as they're saying them. Mm-hmm. Uh, the employees are rolling their eyes as they're hearing it. Uh, and that's if that doesn't sum up like like the BS job economy, like I, it's just uh, people rolling their eyes at each other for their whole lives. Like it's just you know, you know the first step, like you mentioned, just just say it, say it out loud, say you hate you hate your job. You know, do mm-hmm. do it right now. Whisper it under your breath if you're listening to this at work. Like I hate this. It's fine. Just <laughs> no. do it. Just do it. It's fine. We can hear. Uh, you. It's, it's Wednesday. We it's, get it. It's Wednesday, right? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. It's noon. You know. Luckily, I think that. The main thing that, that we can do as a society is something that we do on a, on a on an individual basis that then forms into, you know, that is part of the working class in, in general, which is to say, just because you have a job does not make you a productive member of society, right? Like, let's stop saying that the only metric for being like, if you're, if you're unemployed, you're, you're uh, just a waste on, you're mm-hmm. just, you're just a leech on society. Right. And if you have any job, Regardless of whether you're guarding an empty room or whatever, you're a productive member of society. We have to really start breaking jobs into worthwhile and complete waste of time. Right. Uh, you know, and 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 that's that's as good a first step as, as any. I think is just to start recognizing the problem that we have is lots of waste yeah. of time. Yeah, well, recognizing it in ourselves and also pointing it out to other people. Like yeah. that's you know, like I I came to that recognition years ago but I'm not very good at vocalizing it to other people when they say something stupid like, oh, you're unemployed, you're a 
leech on society or whatever you just whatever said. yeah no like, i don't yeah. you know I, yeah. I don't go into like a diatribe about about why that's nonsense one of the ideas he talks about in the book is he has this sort of uh, this idea that the more obviously your job is valuable to society so if you are you know a teacher if you are someone who if you go on strike people will immediately notice the less money you can expect to be paid for this and conversely, then, if you have a BS job in an office that, you know, you're pulling out staples, you're probably bringing in a decent salary. Hmm. And beyond just sort of, I think we can all recognize sort of the moral imbalance there, um, there's the fact that that creates a market imbalance where there are people leaving meaningful jobs because they can't, you know, pay, you know feed their families on that to work – BS that, you know, isn't putting their skills to very good use. Yeah. Or right. not even going into those fields to begin yeah. with, right? Like I, I have a couple of friends that are nurses that put themselves through nursing school while working full-time in restaurants or whatever sort of mm -hmm. job that they did. So it took them twice as long to get through that nursing program. So okay. they've been in school for eight years to mm -hmm. get a nursing degree and are still paying for it. And I make more money than all of them. Right. And my job is garbage it's for garbage it's, people right like uh, it's yeah. insane right yeah we need to be more mad about that mm -hmm. uh, you know i mean i mean we're obviously the three of us are yeah we're upset fired up. we're all just mean mugging at each other right now <laughs> uh, uh but it, it, again it goes back to that you, you know you, what you mentioned about the the less productive your job is i mean you take that mm -hmm. to the extreme and you think about like a hedge fund manager or something right. like that cats are making mm -hmm. Millions and millions of dollars a year, and well, they're just shuffling, just shuffling paper around. Well, when we talk <laughs> about not even shuffling paper anymore, they're moving made-up imaginary ones and zeros in a computer around. Right, right, yeah, yeah. They're in an abstraction of an abstraction, and they're yeah. It's sorry. Well, when we talk about how everybody's still doing the forty-hour work week when we should be working like fifteen hours, yeah. the fact is that like we're not producing like actual physical objects as much, you know, to yeah. the extent that you know, needs 40 hours, but so much of the inflation in like jobs has been in, you know, these sectors of like finance and, you know, corporate law right. and, you know, the sort of ancillary paperwork and pay pencil pusher jobs yeah. that create so much BS both for themselves and for other people. Yeah. Uh, well, I think that that sort of, that sort of goes back to what you mentioned, uh, I think in the last segment about how, you know, the concept of selling your time is is new, and the mm -hmm. reason it didn't exist before is because we there was still material scarcity. You know what I mean? Like you had to make stuff, you had to mm -hmm. produce food or make pots or whatever it was. And then I think we just went from we went from struggling materially to just post scarcity so fast. <laughs> like in you know with the industrial revolution yeah. and then through the twentieth century, that we're still just we're catching up to, I mean, in my, I've been saying this since fit for 15 years and like since high school mm -hmm. that, uh, you know, cap capitalism has been obsolete for quite some time. And we're just reeling, uh, s you know, as a society with trying to figure out what's next while still hanging on to that old Puritan work ethic and, and, and being a quote unquote productive member of society. Right. Uh, so jumping. Yeah. So really just jumping from so quickly into post scarcity 
and mm-hmm. having to invent ways to keep people in the workforce. Is... It, and it's very much an invention. Like, yeah. you know, capitalism prides itself on efficiency, but these jobs are, you know, created out of nothing to give managers more people to lord over. They're, yeah. you know, inflating the resumes of, you know, bosses who, I have a team of this many, or they are, you know, being done to keep people busy so it it gets back to that sort of fear of idleness leading to revolt in a right. way yeah. like you know if we keep you at the most mind-numbing job imaginable often in any notes like in positions that are designed almost to make you align mentally with the boss yeah you know th- you as a manager you almost have that boss's mindset that owner's mindset rather than one of being an employee and, you know, you go home at night and, you know, that impacts the way you act politically. Yeah. 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 It also, and it all, it serves another, another purpose too, is just that it c- creates consumers, mm-hmm. you know, with these bullshit jobs. Oh, sorry. No, I did it. That, yeah, <laughs> I did it. That's whatever. Sorry about it. you having to bleep that later, Ryan. Uh, yeah. It creates consumers to, f- to f- further bolster the BS economy and, uh, you know, mm-hmm. in, in the first place. Uh, and, and another, so we talked a lot about automation on this show, yeah. you know, and we talked a little bit of, you know, in this, in this episode about something like, you know, potentially 50% of jobs are at high risk in the near future for automation, which means that for the time being, workers still have power at work, right? Mm. Once, once the machines take over, we're screwed. We're screwed, right. So, so the, clock, the clock's ticking. And mm-hmm. so one of the things that I think we might be able to do is stop doing the if – you're, if you're leaning – Go home, <laughs> just just go home. You know, well, <laughs> you know. But, but I don't know how. But for yeah. hourly for hourly workers, that's not a realistic. You know, it's mm-hmm. it's a tough it's a but, tough thing to. to well, know. one thing that keeps so many people doing BS every day, even when it's crushing them psychologically, is the fact that you know they have college debt to pay off. They yeah. have yeah. bills to pay. You know, yeah. families to feed. Yeah. And he talks about how there's not really an out. Like right. your boss has this amount of power over you that he can make you pretend to work right. just almost for his own sick pleasure in a way. Yeah. yeah. And your boss or any other boss. Yeah. Right. There's there's no there's there's no escape. Right. Yeah. And so people need, you know, an out. Um they need a way to say no to their boss. And right. yeah. one way that we've talked about on the show in the past and that he talks about near the end of the book is uh Universal basic income, you know, this idea right. that everybody should be given an amount that would allow them to live without necessarily holding a job, that would allow them to maybe focus on more meaningful work than the things that capitalists are willing to pay for. Right, yeah. And and, I, and we've talked before about uh, like a federal jobs guarantee mm-hmm. or some kind of, even if it's just local mm-hmm. municipal right. jobs um, that are available for people that have a fundamental that their their baseline for existing is different you know right. like it's not it's not to, to prop up management mm-hmm. or or to bolster profits it's to do productive work yeah. uh, and that would be a great that would be a great out if people had an option if you could say yo i'm not going to sit in this room i'm not going to guard this empty room i could just mm-hmm. go and get a you know a, a job with the city with a guaranteed livable wage healthcare Right. Uh, you know, et cetera. And that's, that'd be a great, that'd be a great out. That's another reason to support something like, like a federal jobs guarantee is it's, mm-hmm. it offers a, it gives labor leverage, which is something yeah. we don't, uh, we don't have very much of. Mm-hmm. 
We're nearing the end of our hour here on Punching Out. Um, any final thoughts uh, about the topic, about life, about... Um, Quit your job. Yeah, I mean, that's literally, that's literally what popped into my head. Quit your job, but, but you know, and, and for the vast majority of us who that's not an option, a direct option, spend some of your downtime thinking about how you can fix that instead yeah. of just flame wars on Twitter yeah. or, or whatever, however you, you kill your time at work. Put mm-hmm. some put some actual thought into because we can figure this out. We yeah. have to, like mm-hmm. we we have to. Yeah. Uh, so if you if you have time instead of cleaning when you're leaning, um, just <laughs> put some thought into the future of society. Yeah, and <laughs> you know, and talk to your friends at work about it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But don't don't make don't let your manager see you talking or coalescing around the water cooler. That's, right. that's a problem for them. Yeah. <laughs> right. If, right. At the very least, yeah. if you if you can't quit your job, be more like Spanish diplomat guy. Yeah. Who yeah. just didn't go to work for six years. Yep. Be like that guy. Be like that guy. Yeah. yeah. Get yourself a cape and be that person. All right. That's all we have to say this week. Um, I'm Ryan. I'm Earl. I'm Nadia. This was Punching Out. You've been listening to Punching Out. You can find us on Facebook and on Twitter at Punching Out Leo. Email us your work stories, complaints, and struggles to punchingoutwayo at gmail.com. Punching Out is a project of the Punching Out Collective. Our producer is Ryan Brister. Music for Punching Out is provided by Ariel Cruz. Tune in next week for more Punching Out. And remember, your boss isn't listening, but we are.